Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast featuring special guests talking about how they reveal God during the ordinary rhythm of their daily life. Presented by author and speaker Sharon Tedford. Our guests today not only see the needs of their local community, but also step up, use what they have and meet those needs. Chronic illness hasn't stopped them and they continue to reveal God through simple acts of service. My guests, food missionaries Zach and Farrell de Balso. Today I want to introduce you to Zach and Farrell. Would you please say hello to everybody? Hi. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us where you live and a little bit about yourselves. We live in Tyler, Texas. We're about two hours east of Dallas. So Farrell and I have been married uh, going on seven years now uh, here in East Texas. We dated long distance for about six months, her in Arlington and me in Tampa, Florida, uh, before she moved to Florida with me. We got married and then about a year and a half later, we were here in Texas, me for my first time and her for the first time since she was 18. Well, everyone says they eventually get to Texas because it's the best place to live. So if you are listening from another state or another country, you really need to think about moving to Texas. It's amazing here. We love it here. So as you well know, Zach and Farrell, on God in the Ordinary, we always ask our guests to give us a reflection on Isaiah chapter 61. And because there are two of you, you've done something a little bit different. Would you like to share that with us, please? We would love to. Thank you. Poor, brokenhearted, captive blind, one who desires his favor, one who trusts in his vengeance, one who craves his comfort, one who desperately needs his righteousness. All of these are conditions that we as individuals and we as a collective humanity are born into. Zach and I have experienced all of these on many levels and in many ways we still do, but we've also chosen life and chosen light and every chain broken by the power of his spirit gives others license to expect the same. Therein lies the beauty of the prophetic foreshadowing of Isaiah 61, of our Messiah who came and who is to come, and of the spiritual poverties he promised would be eradicated among and for his people. Then a promise for the Jews, today, 2,000 years later, a vow to all who seek him and surrender to him, and a prophetic privilege of what we in turn get to do as we partner with him for others, all for his glory and all for our good. In Romans 8, we are promised that those who partake in his sufferings will also partake in his glory. Just as our empathetic high priest bore the burdens of the world so that he may comfort our hearts in our darkest moments, we are called to endure certain trials and tragedies that will help others navigate the same trenches as they journey back to hope themselves. And as they witness how he flips our ashes for beauty, Captivity for liberty, mourning for dancing, and despair for praise, they began to dare to believe that he'd do the same for them. And we become living testaments to Isaiah 61.4, as we participate in the promise to build up ancient ruins and raise up former devastations, that they, we, will repair ruined cities and devastations of many generations, by being what verse 6 calls priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. Even the most ordinary moments of our lives become extraordinary when we begin to live life for walking one another home. There is no formula for how, there is only surrender to who, 
and to the miraculous mission of co-laboring with our King to make His heaven a reality here, today and forevermore. Thank you for sharing that. One way that you've been making heaven a reality here on earth is by setting up a community kitchen. Can you tell us the story of how that came to be and what you've been doing with that, please? Um, It was actually kind of accidental the way it all happened. Uh, Nothing is coincidental, obviously. But in 2020, I had the idea to start a healthy food, healthy meal kind of distribution project for our neighborhood. Growing up with cystic fibrosis, it is wise for us to avoid certain allergens that make our symptoms worse. And uh, the way that we eat is typically more expensive for the general population. And I wanted to come up with an idea to be able to share the knowledge of diet and how it affects how we live uh, with our community. And so I started, like I said, just a general distribution project to be able to cook for our community. And the Lord put certain people on our hearts as we were starting up uh, for us to be able to just give them meals. We would create these casseroles for uh, friends that we knew that were moving or friends that had just had babies or friends that had relatives in the hospital. And one of the families that we ended up giving to was our pastor and his family at the time. And it was right after COVID hit and she called me afterwards and she said, you know, we've got a nurse who's in our congregation who is on the front lines and we were wondering if you would be willing to take them the same casserole that you brought to us, we'll pay you for it. And so what started as kind of of a more general call us if you want something project It became more of a pay-it-forward theme. Um, I jokingly call it the 1-800-Flowers-of-Casseroles because people will call us to bless other people. And we noticed that, you know, a meal would be $5 and our friends would give us 20 and say, go bless, you know, three other people. And it just became this beautiful pay-it-forward theme that has really, really been a blessing to get to watch and to get to participate in. I always joke that, you know, we're just the vessels. We're just the ones that get to show up with the carbs. Carbs are a good thing. Zach, why don't you tell us what you named it and why? So yeah, we called it the Axe Kitchen. And um, I think part of that came from uh, reading a book by Francis Chan called uh, Letters to the Church. And in the book, it was just talking about how things originated with Christianity and small groups and just small families reaching out and supporting one another and just how the Lord added to their number day by day just by doing these small acts of service and just radically sharing what Jesus had done in their lives uh, through the teachings of the apostles and their own experiences. And we've always had a heart for is gathering people around the table. And my love was just uh, in prayer one day and she was like, this, this is it. This Acts 246, this is what it is. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number by the day. And so it was just like, that's it. The axe kitchen. And one day if this thing grows and we actually have people over at our house or people at a, at a commercial space, we'll know that'll be the Lord adding to, to what we're doing here. But for now, we're just, we're going to take what we got, our little 24 inches of counter space and three Instant Pots going at one time. And we're just going to make some meals and deliver them. So do you sit together and literally cook together as a partnership? This is where the Lord really blesses me. He enjoys, if I'm honest, he enjoys all of the things that I don't. So he chops up the chicken, he cleans the dishes, 
he cleans the stove, he does all of that stuff, and I get to just cook. Man, it's just in my nature to to, to be a helper and to, to kind of do all the things that people don't like to do usually. But I, I do, I really enjoy cleaning and prepping and I get a little bit of a restaurant background and that's what I did a lot of the times was kind of prep vegetables, prep the meat, get things all set up and then just go, all right, all right, you go make the delicious num-nums because I don't know how to work that Instant Pot. It looks like a spaceship to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a few a few basic casseroles that we like kind of had in our in our wheelhouse of stuff that we ate often. And she just started tinkering with it and adding different flavors, adding different spices, and then would pull up something on Pinterest or Instagram or whatever and be like, ooh, I want to try that too. Let's see how that one works out. And essentially, I just, I try and take comfort food, some of my favorite comfort food, and I call it healthing it up. So I may make mac and cheese, but I may make it with gluten-free noodles instead, or I make a really, really delicious, and that's not me tooting my own horn. That is just whoever created this recipe, bless them. Um, a gluten-free, and I can also make it sugar-free, and there's not too much of a difference, but a gluten-free banana pudding from scratch. And that's that seems to be, that tends to be a crowd favorite. Um, but really, it's just, it's me taking things that, because, you know, whenever you grow up, sick all the time, um, comfort food kind of becomes something that you gravitate toward. And it's a it's a catch-22. It's kind of a double-edged sword because that's exactly what you don't need to be eating when you don't feel well to keep down the inflammation, to keep away the illness. You need to be eating fruits and veggies and, you know, lean proteins and stuff like that. And that is how I grew up. But, you know, as we mature into adulthood and we begin the process of learning to make our own decisions. Sometimes those decisions are pizza and ice cream instead of green beans and chicken. And so uh, to be able to find that fine line, that balance between still getting to enjoy and still getting to feel like you are being treated and being comforted in food without having to deal with the guilt of, oh, this is going to make me feel 10 times worse. That's kind of what I was going for. Yeah, so healthy food that makes healthy people is what it sounds like you're saying. Apart from food, how else have you been blessing the people that you meet through Axe Kitchen? Do you actually aim to identify as Christians when you meet them? We do. On our business cards and in all of our marketing, Axe 246 is very front and center. Uh, We do like for everyone to know that we are doing it for the specific purpose of getting people back around the dinner table. That's originally what we wanted. We wanted healthy food that moms and dads could come home to and feel good about giving their kids and put work away and put the stress of the day away and to be able to put the frustrations of the day away and to be able to just sit and be back together and talk. So you just take the stuff and leave it there. Sometimes maybe if you know the people, you might go in. But do you think that just being there and turning up is all that's needed? Is that enough of a Christian witness? I think so. I think people just need to know that they're seen, um, that they're valued, and that you save them some time, especially with, with most people that we were delivering to where, where the husband and the wife was working and they had multiple children, just saving them a little bit of time and just letting them know they're thought about, they're cared about, they're prayed for. I, I think that's, that's really impactful for especially busy people, busy families. Just being present. I've heard you speak before about the ministry of presence. I love that phrase. Could you maybe both of you explain that to us? What is the ministry of presence? Is that something that we can all use in our own lives? 
I think so. Um, and I think the beauty of the ministry of presence is you don't actually have to be there for it. Like Zach was saying, just being seen and being heard and knowing that you're not alone. Uh, we had a precious couple that we had the privilege of delivering to, gosh, for probably about two years. Them, they were an elderly couple. Uh, we never went in with them. We never sat with them. We never actually got the chance to meet the wife. And I'll never forget, two years in a row, uh, the daughter reached out and she said, hey, my dad wants your beef stew. They loved beef stew and they loved cornbread. And that was what he wanted for his birthday. And when the wife actually ended up passing away, we were one of the very, very few that were invited to the funeral, as if we had been actual family. And we didn't realize we were making a difference. We had no idea. We were simply a presence. Um, the daughter lives in Arlington. They both obviously lived here in Tyler. And they just knew that we were there. They knew that if they needed dinner, they knew that if they were going into the hospital, they knew that we were there if they needed us. And I'll never forget when we were at the church for the funeral, we had three different people walk up to us and say, oh, you're that precious couple that Joanne always talked about. And we had no idea. We had no idea the impact that we were making with a casserole and some banana pudding. And I think that's what matters more than anything is, yes, the ministry of presence, being able to just sit there with someone. I don't feel like we see that enough in, in Christian community and just in the world today of just getting to sit with people, sitting with them in the trenches, in the pain, and not necessarily feeling like we have to, to fix it or to heal it, but to just sit with them. And the beauty of it is whenever you're operating with the Holy Spirit and when you're you're doing what He tells you to, He is who goes with you, and He is who stays behind. And so they knew that we were there with them, but they also knew Holy Spirit was there. And so it was just that ministry of we are not alone, we have other people in our corner, and most especially, we have the Lord in our corner. That's so important. Again, we had several people approach us at the at the funeral service talking about the family and going, how did you do it? They they never receive help. They are the people who constantly give, pouring out left, right, and the other for everyone around them, and, and they never let us do anything for them. How are you doing this? And we're just like, I have no idea. Yeah, it's the beef stew. It's not me. That's all I can say. <laughs> You know, Farrell, you just said um, we didn't realize we were making a difference. And I hope that's an encouragement to all of us, because sometimes it feels like what we're doing is way too small or way too insignificant. There's no such thing. In the kingdom, God will use what we give him. And that's what you said at the very beginning when you were talking about what you were cooking. You cooked what you had. And that's all Jesus asked us to bring is to bring what we have and share it with the people around us. So I believe that you have recently moved to a new area in your town. So you're kind of starting up again. So what are your dreams and plans for the future of the Acts Kitchen? What I would love more than anything is uh, my great aunt was actually kind of a legend, if you will, here in Chapel Hill. Uh, she opened a cafe way, way back when. I want to say it was probably the 50s. And she just offered everything she had to everyone around her. If people didn't have food for meals, she gave it to them. If people of color during the time of, you know, segregation being a huge issue, if people of color came up to her back door and asked for scraps, she invited them in. She said, I would really rather you come in and eat with us. Um, I don't want to give you scraps. I don't want to serve you at the back door. Would you come in with us? Uh, she gave high school kids jobs and free food. She was known for her coconut pie. 
if you ask if they remember Ruth Cross, oh, that was the coconut pie lady. Like she was just, she was a legend around here. And uh, the Lord actually moved us about a mile away from the cafe that she started. And we didn't know it. We didn't know it at the time. I remembered my mom talking about it. And I remembered visiting Aunt Ruth's house when I was a child, which is actually next door to the cafe. Uh, So we had no idea that we were moving just a mile from it. And my ideal, I guess if I could have anything happen with the Axe Kitchen that I wanted for it to, I would love for the opportunity to be able to open the doors back up of that cafe and carry on that generation, carry on that generosity. Um, I didn't realize even whenever we moved out here until one of my best friends and I got in conversation that Chapel Hill is an incredibly impoverished area of East Texas. And if you heard stories when COVID was going on about kids that couldn't eat when schools were closed, that area was Chapel Hill. That area was kind of where we live right now. And I would love for the opportunity to open the doors. And if people can pay, that would be awesome. Um, I heard a beautiful story of a coffee company in, I believe it was Norway, and they had what they called suspended coffee. It's the vision of the Axe Kitchen. Someone would come in and say, I would like to buy one coffee and three suspended coffees. So they would pay for four coffees, but then that three would go up as notes on the wall. And if someone then came in and said, do you have any suspended coffee? They would take a note off the wall and they would get something for free. I would love to be able to do that with healthy food, healthy soups, healthy casseroles, even healthy desserts. Uh, One of my best friends has offered, she loves to do desserts. She's offered to partner with me in that and provide the desserts. Um, I would just love to be able to offer that to the community. And we we love paying attention to the ones who have been forgotten, the ones that don't usually either receive any kind of help or are almost looked at as burdens. One of my favorite outreaches that we did was we did a trucker's ministry when COVID first hit. Uh, Across the nation, truck stops were closing and they weren't able to use the restroom. They weren't able to take showers. Many times they weren't even able to get coffee. And obviously driving big rigs, they couldn't go through drive-thrus. And so they were making these hour and hour and hour long trips with no support, no stability. And so when we heard about this, we actually rallied a team together and we created 150 hot meals of beef Parmesan pasta and we had a friend make cupcakes and we had bread made and we did homemade hand sanitizer and we took toilet paper out there, just everything that we thought that would be able to help them. We bought caffeinated drink packets and we bought them bottles of water and just kind of stuffed them in these bags and... We helped a lot of people that day. We met a lot of people, and I pray that we spread a lot of Jesus. But I will not lie. The one man that I will never forget was a gentleman. He was ragged. He was dirty. He had a bike and a backpack to his name, and he was sitting behind a trash can eating a honey bun. And when I walked up to him, I offered him a dinner, and he looked frightened at first. He looked like he was about to grab his bike and run. And I just held out the clamshell to him and I said, would you like some dinner? And I'll never forget the look in his eyes. It was just, uh, you saw me, like you, you saw me right now. And he had the greatest smile and he came over when he was finished and he asked if he could take a couple more 
to a friend of his and we said, take as many as you need. And he was very excited about the toilet paper too, which I was excited to be able to provide. But I would not be surprised because this is how our God works. If the whole reason that we did that outreach was for that man, that there was beauty in the other hundred and however many lunches that we were able to give out. But if the Lord did not have a specific purpose for us to be there that day to show that man that he was not alone. And that's what our hearts beat for. We love being able to share healthy food. We love being able to share our story. But most of all, We love to be able to reach out to who Jesus called the least of these because we are the least of these. That's what Isaiah 61 is about. It's about the least of these. And Jesus became the least of these to be able to be our empathetic high priest and to be able to give us that compassion to show others that we're in this fight with them and that no one is ever alone. You're listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guests, Farrell and Zach DeBalzo. In your reflection a little while ago now, you spoke passionately about how we as Christians will all endure trials and tragedies in this life. Jesus promised us that. And as you've already touched on a little bit, Farrell, that you and Zach are both winning the battle against cystic fibrosis or most often heard as CF. Now, I know that because of that diagnosis, you've both faced some significant trials. And when you're in the midst of those times and things are looking difficult, you feel rubbish. How do you reveal God to those around you in those moments? Can you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not easy. Um, man, when we're feeling poor, no energy, uh, can't stop coughing, just headaches, body aches, whatever it is, it is so tough to hear from our Father in those moments. But also... When we take that pause and just just recognizing that thing and going, oh, I haven't heard from him today. I haven't sat down today. I haven't stopped today because I've been focused on myself. Taking that time to pause is when he can fill us up. And then when we're in the hospital bed, IV tubes coming out of us, oxygen strapped around our nasal cavity, whatever it is, we can be full. Even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of suffering, we can be full. And then the focus gets just overflows. It goes out. And that moment of strength and endurance he gives us becomes patience and grace and joy for everyone around us. I'm trying not to toot my own horn here. That's It's nothing I can do. I spent many, many, many years and visits in the hospital with without knowing Christ. And I can honestly say with him, it was more difficult, but also 10 times more rewarding and impactful of the deeper relationships I made with nurses, with staff, with doctors, and getting to be able to talk about faith and getting to be able to talk about joy and perseverance in the middle of all that. And I think 2CF is a way that he very clearly spoke through us when we started the Axe Kitchen. Um, Some may call us unwise in this, but when the rest of the world was locking down, uh, that's when Axe Kitchen started. Like I mentioned, the truckers ministry, uh, that was May of 2020. That was kind of right after the lockdown started. And um, that's when it all began. And when kind of the rest of the world was quieting down and locking down, the Lord was calling us out. The Lord was calling us into those places. The Lord was calling us into those grocery stores if they would let us. The Lord was calling us out to fight that fear and and fight it with faith. And um, to this day, 
every time that we go in the hospital, and I don't know exactly how this works, but every time that we go in the hospital, they check our antibodies to see if we have shown any signs of having COVID. And to this day, neither one of us have. And he has protected us in that two of the most vulnerable and two of the the ones who should have, by worldly all intents and purposes, just, you know, locked down more than anyone. He said, no, he said, you're going to get out there and I'm going to protect you because you're going to do what I've asked you to do. Yeah, and this time of incredible fear over you know how your body would react to sickness, <laughs> we've been dealing with that all of our lives. Like we already knew what that was, so there really wasn't fear of being sick. So we were able to take that those years and those years of building up and what we had already experienced our life out to the world and go, I know this is scary, especially dealing with something for the first time. We understand how hard and difficult that can be. But we're living testimonies of the faithfulness of God through those trials. We were long past our expiration dates so what the doctors told us. We've been dealing with these symptoms already. We know it's going to be okay. I'm not worried about contact or passing bugs back and forth. We do that all the time every day. You can't stop it. I don't care how precautionary you are. And I'm going to say this gently because there, there are smart things that you can and should do, but you can't stop everything. I don't care how many masks you have on or how much you try to avoid stuff. Stuff happens. And I spent a big chunk of my life trying to not catch and not get sick until Jesus came along. He's like, yeah, you're going to get sick. You're going to have suffering. You can't prevent that. Are you going to be able to have joy and trust in me through the process, through these times? It's so important for us to remember that we all face trials, as you said in your reflection, but that Jesus is there with us in that. And I love that so much. So, Zach, you said just now you don't want to toot your own horn, but maybe, Farrell, you can toot Zach's horn (laughs) and tell us about a time when you've seen him caring for the doctors and nurses around him when they're trying to care for him. Have you seen Zach revealing God to others even when he has been very vulnerable himself? So, yes. We were actually in over Christmas of this past year, and um, I am much more introverted in the hospital. I love the Beyond Suffering Bible by Joni Erickson Tata. One of the things that I read in there from an excerpt that someone else added to it was, if you have to be a patient, be the best patient they've had that day. And um, that's what I try and do. However, I do like to kind of just be left alone to cocoon and to get better. My husband is the exact opposite. He loves meeting everybody who walks in that door. He loves talking with them. He loves finding out their stories. And he loves praying for them. And so I really saw that over Christmas. Uh, We were in separate rooms. We were both admitted. And uh, just the way, especially on Christmas Day, especially on the day that we knew that the nurses had given up and the doctors had given up their family time to be there for the patients, I mean, he was just rocking and rolling through everybody. He was, you know, what's your favorite memory for Christmas? And what's your favorite food for Christmas? And what's your favorite thing that you like to do with your family? What's your favorite tradition? And he spreads the love of Jesus so naturally. He doesn't ever feel like he has to insert his name in somewhere. It's his nature. It's his nature to talk about Jesus and to find those similarities, even sometimes in non-believers and connect those similarities there and then bridge that with some Jesus. And it's it's beautiful to watch him do that. And like I said, there were probably eight, nine, ten people on Christmas that he talked to and that he really poured into. Some didn't really want to talk, 
that's okay. Sometimes Christmas brings up, you know, sorrow in some people. And we certainly had some nurses that were were there because they wanted to avoid Christmas. Uh, but anybody who wanted to talk, man, he was he was there loving and thanking and sharing some Jesus with anybody who he could. And I got to brag on on Farrell here real quick, because I feel like I got all the easy people. (laughs) Everybody I talked to wanted to to talk about, you know, holiday traditions and food and stories. And like, I got to I got to talk to what I would consider the easy people. And so, you know, I'm sharing my day with Farrell throughout the day through text message. And I remember she's like, I'm going to try that. I'm going to ask somebody like what their favorite Christmas tradition was. And she got somebody who had like a very, very, very pain holiday memory and past and um she was sharing with a nurse and the nurse was just like incredibly dejected and she's like i'm sorry i don't i don't really want to talk about that and Farrell, of course is just like holding her face in her hands like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm so sorry can i give you a hug can i give you a hug please <laughs> but it was it was that person who came back and served Farrell later in the day that was just like completely changed by that small interaction that Farrell thought was a failure and she was just like, thank you for caring about me and got to and got to open up a little bit more with her. And it was like, from my perspective, Dave, anyway, that was the person who saw Jesus the clearest um, and what we perceived to be a failure. It's really fun for me to have two people to talk to, because what we're seeing here is two different characters, two different kinds of people. And yet what we see in both of you is how Jesus uses you, even in your differences. And had that lady come to you, Zach, she might have just thought, well, you're really annoying, be quiet. But because Farrell exactly. was, <laughs> was quieter, she didn't want the joy in the bubbly. She just needed someone like Farrell to, as you've already said, see her. And that's what happened. And you were seeing the people that were coming into your room, Zach, by being bubbly and chatty. It's really important for us to remember that Jesus uses all of us, no matter what our character is. We don't have to be the loud noisy ones. I want to ask you a little bit about whether having cystic fibrosis has ever meant that you've been able to share the truth of Jesus in public settings. Has that ever been made available to you? So yes, uh, one of my favorite speaking engagements that I got to do was recently back in October, I was asked to be the keynote speaker at the Cystic Fibrosis Gala here in Tyler. And one of the biggest differences that Zach and I have experienced in our walk with CF is it's touted as the miracle drug that's come out for the cystic fibrosis population. It's called Trikafta. And essentially, it works at doing its best to correct the root of the problem instead of just dealing with the symptoms. And what they asked me to share at this particular gala was how Trikafta didn't work for me. And that was very unique. A lot of times they want to talk about the successes and they want to push the successes. And they were allowing me to be very vulnerable and allowing me to explain uh, kind of the disappointment that came along with Zach and I both got to start the medication at the same time. We took our first dose at the same time and had very, very different reactions. I had to come off of it in February, uh, but the beautiful thing that I got to witness through it was Zach was hospitalized in November of 2019, and they told him, you're not going to walk out of here without a new set of lungs. And we were in for two weeks, and he kept praying about it, and he kept seeking the Lord on it, and and it just wasn't right. And he told them that. He said, this is not my time. Uh, This is not the direction that I'm supposed to go. And they thought he was a fool. They treated him like he was a fool and basically told him, our doctor said, okay, well, we'll see you when you're back in here in a couple of months. And a month later, 
was when the Trikafta drug was approved by the FDA. He took his first dose, and four days later, I woke up to silence. I had gotten so used to waking up every morning to the sound of our breathing treatment machine humming and him choking until he could get all of the secretions and all of the junk out of his lungs to where he could breathe normally. I actually had to go look for him. He was back in our backyard playing with our dog, and a few days later, I watched him jog our neighborhood with only an oxygen concentrator and the Rocky theme song blaring in his headphones. <laughs> of course. So um, I got to share that on stage. I got to share that with uh, probably about 350 people who came there for the sole reason of being able to keep people like us alive. And I got to share in the goodness of God, and I got to share uh, how he has proven faithful through this drug. Zach is a different person from the man that I met. He is able to do more. Um, he is able to fight more. He has more stamina in his workouts. He has more stamina in everyday living. He doesn't cough anymore. He doesn't have to do as many breathing treatments. And I did. I got to share all of that. And we took a video of it as well, which I want to upload to YouTube to be able to further our testimony. So we absolutely try to use any platform that we're given to really talk about how our expiration date, you know, Mine was 1986 and his was, forgive me, I'm not a math person. So whatever 1986 plus 18 is and just how the Lord has blown that out of the water and said, okay, that's what people say, but that's not what I said. What a great story. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's important for us to realize that God can use anything in our lives, even if it's the most difficult times, for him to be able to reveal himself to others through us. So thank you, Farrell, for being brave enough to stand on a stage in Tyler, which, by the way, is a huge medical city. So there are lots of hospitals and lots of doctors there and share the truth of who our God is. I'm a little bit confused because it sounded to me like you just said that Zach was working out. Zach, is that true? Everybody has uh, different degrees of working out. But yes, I, I get into my garage gym regularly, three, four times a week. He does CrossFit. Don't let his humility lie to you. He does CrossFit <laughs> with 35% lung function. There we are. Isn't that our God? So Zach, is it a ministry for you, working out? What do you do with that? And how do you reveal God through that? That was one of the first things that God called me out of was actually the gym that I was an employee at. I had a lot to work out in my life. Um Physical fitness had become an idol for me, among a bunch of other things in the gym life. But I, I got the opportunity to start doing it out of my home. And it's absolutely a ministry because not only do I get to share what God did in my heart to fix my, my vanity, to reveal who's really in charge of taking care of me as I exercise with 35% lung function, I thought it was me. I thought it was my hard work and my effort that was you know, keeping me and sustaining me and keeping me stable all these years. And I just got hit over the head with a two by four. Like lots of people work out with cystic fibrosis, but they don't sustain. It's God who is the one providing and sustaining and keeping me. And so that was, that was one of the first two by fours I had as a Christian. And I get to share that about why I work out from home still and why, and why I specifically do do one-on-one personal training with men and get to talk about biblical masculinity, how I've grown as a male, how I can come alongside other men who don't necessarily like going to the globo gyms where it's a co-ed mixture because of distraction. Um, so I like to be able to just have that that safe space where we can get out some testosterone and lift some heavy weights and move really fast, but also talk about Jesus and what God's doing in your life and how we can come alongside each other. 
I love that you're doing that, Zach. It's really important that we don't miss these areas in our lives where God can use us. So most recently, you guys have taken up driving for Uber Eats. And I'm really interested because I believe that you're going to find ways to reveal God through that too, aren't you? So we actually just had an opportunity. I think it was our first person that we ever picked up. Um, He just asked for a ride to Chase Bank real quick. And I felt the tug. And I don't always feel the tug to do this. Um, I felt the tug to ask him if there was any way that we could pray for him. And sure enough, he was unemployed. He was uh, going to training that day for a air conditioning company here in Tyler. He had two kids and he had a little baby on the way. And when I say on the way, I mean like she's due this month. And uh, so we were able to pray over him and pray over the life of the little the little baby girl that they were having. But at the end, I actually felt the nudge. I didn't have any cards with me. But I felt the nudge to write down the phone number and the name of the Axe Kitchen for him, kind of tell him a little bit of what we do, and let him know this is completely free. This is free of charge. This is just a service that we want to provide to you. You know, when that little baby comes and you've had enough not sleeping for, you know, four days in a row, please call us. We would love to provide your family with some dinner. We would love to come over and pray over you guys. Just know that it's a resource available if you need it. And like I said, that was the first person we ever picked up. And then um, probably another one would be we do Uber Eats and Uber. And we did just the regular Uber on St. Patrick's Day and actually met a woman. We picked a woman and her friend uh, up from a bar and, and took them to another one. And she is very active in the cystic fibrosis community here. No way. And so she sells durable medical equipment, sells like oxygen concentrators and stuff. So she was very familiar with CF, very familiar with the Tyler Clinic here, which we actually go to the one in Dallas. But she was very familiar with the disease and we were able to, on St. Patrick's Day, swap Jesus stories and CF, you know, in the back of our car. So like I said, it's not something that we always get nudged on, but we try to keep an open heart to have those conversations and just know when someone's getting in the car, we can feel him kind of say, you know, no, you're just going to serve this one versus sometimes it's ask them this, pray for this. Um, We're both feelers. So when somebody steps in the car, sometimes it's very tangible. Something's either very off or very on one or the other. Um, And in those moments where something's very clearly off, it's just that silent moment of, you know, silently praying to ourselves in the car. What does this person need? What's the what's the one word that we can pray for this person? And I had one of those this morning. It was an unbeliever just having a fight with her with her roommates before um, dropping her off at work this morning. And so it was a pretty silent ride. But then there was just that one word. And I got to pray that. And she started the conversation with me just about having tough relationships. And, and man, if, if she would just be open to trying to find a new roommate. And I was like, man, I, I totally get that and was able to share a story where I had a troubled roommate in the past and just be able to, to sympathize in the, the very, very short ride. And she got out of the car. She was like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping me just reframe my day. And it's just those little, those little moments of presence and being able to hear and respond well. That's so true. What I hear you both saying through our whole conversation is that you take simple steps of faith so that people can see that they are seen not by you, but by God, and that you don't worry about making it complicated. You just do the simple things straight away. So if people want to get in contact with you, I'm sure that they can find you somewhere. Where's that going to be? 
So probably the easiest way to get a hold of us would just be at theaxekitchen.com. There is a message capability feature on there if someone wants to contact us personally. But in going there, you can see a little bit more of what we do and um, kind of find ways to support if you want to. But more than anything, it's just an opportunity to get to kind of share what we do and who our God is to us. That's great. So if people have questions about CF or working out or food or seeing people, they can contact you there with any questions? Absolutely. They're more than welcome to. Well, thank you so much. I am really glad that we got to talk to you today. It's been really interesting to me to see how beef stew and cornbread allows people to be seen and known by God. Thank you, Zach and Farrell, for doing what you do in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us here on God in the Ordinary. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's awesome. You've been listening to God in the Ordinary with my guests, Zach and Farrell DeBaltzo and me, Sharon Tedford. You can find out more about the ministry of the DeBaltzo family at theactskitchen.com. The producer is Gary Dell and this is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production. Go to 61-things.com to tell us how you reveal God in the Ordinary.